All right, 1 Samuel chapter number 29. 1 Samuel chapter number 29. Begin reading in verse number 11. The Bible says this, So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning, to return into the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. There's a great battle that is about to take place. David found himself on the wrong side of this battle. David found himself on the wrong side. He would have been fighting against the people of God. There's a battle that's taken place between the Philistines and Israel. The Philistines and their princes have gathered together, and they're going to make war against Israel and King Saul. David finds himself fleeing from Israel, fleeing from King Saul. And previously, in the previous chapters here, we find that David is run to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines put him in a place called Ziklag, a city that he, they give to David. David's 600 men and their wives and their children, and this town, this city of Ziklag, belongs to David. And in that place of Ziklag, the people of the Philistines, the land of the Philistines, give David rest. David's not running from Saul any longer. He's at a place of safety, a place of rest. But the Philistines are now going to battle against Israel, and David finds himself on the wrong side. But God miraculously works, and he sends David away. He doesn't allow David to go to battle against Israel, because if David would fight against Israel, it'd be over. God's purpose was not for David to battle against Israel. God's purpose was for David to be king of Israel. And David is in this place not because of what David has done. David is in this place because of what God is doing in David's life. We find in verse number 1 of chapter number 30, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken away women captives that were therein and slew not any, either great or small, but carried Away, them away and went on their, own, their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. And then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Mark this down until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been that, to that place in your life where you've been so burdened? You've been in a battle. You've been so upset. There's no more power to weep. David has wept so much, and his men have wept so much. There's not a tear left in them. Not because they're done weeping. It's just there's no more strength. It's taken everything out of them. There's no more power to weep. The Bible tells us that David's wives were taken captive. In verse number 5. In verse number 6, the da the, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his son and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself, and the Lord is God. But David encouraged himself, and the Lord is God. You'll never make it as a Christian, 
unless you learn what David learned, and that's to encourage yourself in the Lord your God. David raised up an army. This army that David raised up was a fierce army of men. They were great in battle. Matter of fact, the battles that they fought up until this point, they had not lost. Matter of fact, David and his 600 men were so fierce, so mighty in battle, that the the nations of the Philistines, when they went to war against Israel here at this time, they did not want David and his 600 men to follow them on their side to battle because they were afraid that at any moment in this battle, if David would turn on them, that David and his 600 men had the strength and the power to defeat them and destroy them. And so they said to David, David, you can't take these men into this battle. Go back to Ziklag. Go back to the the city that we gave you and go back to your wives, go back to your children. This battle is not for you to fight. And they gathered themselves together to go against Saul. As they came back from being sent away from this battle, I want you to think with me, if you would, this, this picture, this story. As they came back from being sent away, they, they approached Ziglag, the Bible says. They came to this place. Now, these men are men of battle. They've, they've burned cities before. They've, they've defeated the enemy before. They've conquered cities and villages. They know what it's like to go in. They, they, know, what the, they know what war looks like. They know what war smells like. And as they come over that horizon and they see a zigzag far off, they begin to see that smoke is rising from this city. And they know what that means. As they approach zigzag from afar, they... I'm sure, begin to experience emotions of fear, anxiety. Because they know what that smoke meant. That smoke meant this, that a battle took place while they were gone. As they approached this, not knowing what they were going to find, they find the city of Ziglag in ruins. It's burned. It's gone. It's burned with fire, the Bible says. Their wives and their Sons and their daughters, they're gone. Everything they left is gone. As they approach it, everyone they loved is gone. And the people in their grief, these 600 men in their grief, they begin to blame David. David, you're the leader. David, you led us to this. We trusted you. And you brought us back, and our city's gone, and everyone that we love is gone. David hears their whispers, and now their grief turns to wanting to destroy David. Their grief turns to wanting to stone David. They say to David, you're, you're, you, this is your fault, and, and David's going to pay the price, and David's going to die. As I read this passage of Scripture, I can't imagine how low David must feel. Matter of fact, this might be the lowest point in David's life. David is running from Saul. He's turned aside by the Philistines, turned away. 
He comes back and he's leading this, this, this mighty group of men. He comes back and, and the city's burned and his wives are gone, his children are gone, and not just his wives are gone and his children's are gone, children are gone, but, but, but all the men, every single person that they love is gone. And now these 600 men, these fierce fighting men, these loyal men to David, now they say to David, David, this is your fault and we're going to stone you for it. It's probably a lowest time in David's life. But David was able to recover by one thing. He was able to encourage himself, the Bible says, in the Lord. My question to us today is this, have you learned to encourage yourself in the Lord? Have you learned how to encourage yourself in the Lord? Have you been at a place in your life, and the reality is this, every single person is going to come to a place in their life where something or someone or some place is going to, they're going to lose and, and they're going to be at their lowest place. And when David was there, David learned to encourage himself. And my question today is this, as we approach those times in our life, do we know how to encourage ourselves in the Lord? Imagine losing everyone. And there's no one left but you and God. Don't you think about that? Imagine losing everything. And it's just you and God. We put so much into our possessions. We put so much into our families. We put so much into the people we love. What if God said, I'm going to take all of it. And it's just you and me left. Would you encourage yourself? Would you be okay with that? I want you to save your place in 1 Samuel, please. We're going to come back to that passage of Scripture. But I want to go to a New Testament passage of Scripture in the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul is the author of this, of this epistle. Paul is writing it to the, to the church at Corinth. I want us to read how, what Paul has to say about this. Begins in verse number one of chapter number one. Paul is writing, and Paul is saying he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. We find that Timothy is there with him. He says, and Timothy, our brother, tells us who he's writing this, this, this epistle to unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are, which are all in Achaia. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. Paul is saying in verse number four, I've been there. I've been to a place of tribulation, and God has comforted me, and therefore I know how to comfort others by God's help. We are comforted by God. I know what that feels like. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. I'll follow along in verse number six. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, 
knowing that ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Paul begins to talk about this trouble that he went into. And he said this about this trouble, that we were pressed out of measure. Paul said, I, I, I know, I know you know what's happened to us. There was a time in Paul's life, a specific time that he's speaking of here that the church here at Corinth must have known about. He's reminding them of this. He said this, that there was a time that we were in trouble and we were pressed out of measure. What does he mean by that? He means this, we were, we were stretched to our limits. We were, we were stretched in this trouble as far as we thought we could possibly be stretched. And then we were stretched past it. We were, we were taken to the place of hopelessness and, and, and then past that place. He says this, above strength and so much we were despaired even of life. What Paul was saying is this, we didn't even think we could endure another day. This trouble that we were in, it stretched us to our limits. It's taken us as far as we possibly thought and then further. We didn't think there was life in us. But when we had the sentence of death in our, ourselves, when we thought we were going to die, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raised the dead. Paul said, I got stretched to the place where I couldn't be stretched anymore. Sorrow came. Suffering came. I was, I was pressed out of measure. He said, and I got to the place where I realized that we cannot trust in ourselves. What Paul was saying is this. I was brought to a place uh, that I realized that my strength is not sufficient. I, I was brought to a place where I realized that I can't endure in myself anymore. But what I learned in this is that in God, I could trust. In God, I find strength. In God, I find help. He says this in verse number 10, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. I want you to underline, if you, take, if you underline your Bible, look what he says. The Bible says in verse 10, who delivered, doth deliver, will yet deliver. That's what he thought about God. He realized this, that it's God who's going to deliver in this trial. It's God who's going to deliver in the future. He realized this, it's God who delivered, who doth deliver, and yet will deliver. He says this in verse number 11, Ye also helping together my prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of any, many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that is in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. We have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you, word. Paul, Paul was saying this. He's been to the place of great trial. He's been to the great uh, place of great tribulation. He's been to the place where he thought he couldn't make it anymore. Turn one page over to chapter number three and verse number five. In Christian, please, would you mark this down in your Bible? Would you reference this verse often? You'll need it. 
Paul says this in verse number five of chapter number three, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Paul said, I'm at a place of hopelessness. You know what I find? I can't find it in me. I can't find it in others. I can only find it in God. Have you ever been to a place where you're just stretched? Where you've said to yourself, and maybe you've even said to others, you've said it out loud, and maybe you've even said it to the Lord, I can't take another day of this. I can't go another, another, another step. I feel like it's all coming in all around me, and, and, and there's no hope. It's where Paul found himself, and that's where David finds himself. Go back with me, if you would please, to first. 1 Samuel chapter number 29, chapter number 30. They find themselves at this place, and listen to me, Christian. Every one of us at some point in our Christian life is going to find ourselves here. Every one of us. Because this is the place that God desired for Paul to be. This is the place that God desired for David to be. And this is the place that each and every one of us must be if God's going to use us. Please hear me this morning. As I read this passage of Scripture, I like to read the end and then you kind of know what's going to happen. David doesn't know. The men don't know. We can read ahead and we find in verse number 18 of this passage of Scripture, of, of verse number uh, chapter 30 of 1 Samuel the Bible says, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. In verse number 19, the last few words of verse number 19, the Bible says, David recovered all. Really, when I read this passage of Scripture, I thought to myself, that's not fair. Not that David recovered all, but that David had to go through everything he went through. And God, if you're just going to give everything to David back, then why put David through this? Put him through that pain. Put him through that uh, hurt. Why in the world would you allow your people to go through this agony only just to give him back what they lost? Why go through it? Why go through the loss of family? Why go through the rejection of friends? Why go through everything that David is enduring only to, to go back and, and give it back to him? Why go through this horrible heartache of David when it's all going to work out at the end? Why, God? Wouldn't it be better just to allow David to enjoy I go through it. Listen to me this morning. There are things that God allows us to go through to bring us to our end. Listen, hear me this morning. I know it's a little hot in here. But you need this. Matter of fact, give your spouse an elbow right now and say, wake up, you need this. Go ahead, tell them. Tell them the person next, next to you, wake up, you need this. Go ahead. You need it. Because God is going to do something that allows all of us 
come to our end. And listen to me. He doesn't bring you to your end to teach you about you. He brings you to your end to teach you about him. Get this, please. If you're going to do something great for God, if God is going to use you in a great way, he's going to bring you to your end. But he doesn't bring you there so that you realize how strong you are. He doesn't bring you there so that you realize how, how, how smart you are. He doesn't bring you there so that you realize the wisdom that you have. He brings you there so you realize about him. He teaches you something about his strength. He teaches you something about his wisdom. He teaches you something about his sufficiency. That's why God brings you to your end. He brings you to this place to teach you about what he can do. He brings you to this place to teach you where our strength must come from. And I think before God uses someone, before God uses you, before God uses me, God is going to bring us to a place where David was, where we realize that God is all we need, where we realize that God is enough, into where we realize he is sufficient. Before we get to where God wants us, we'll go through deep trials. Like Paul went through in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, Paul went through great trials that stretched him. And God will bring us through great trials that stretch us. Paul said, I'm pressed out of measure. I can't take anymore. Listen to me, that's where God gets us. And God allows us to get to this place because in this place is where we learn the sufficiency of God. I'm going to give you three things here, three lessons that we learn here in this passage of Scripture. I want you to see with me, just turn over a, a, maybe a page or two to chapter number 27 of 1 Samuel. And I want you to see a conversation that David has with himself. You ever talk to yourself? Huh? How many of you ever talk to yourself? How many of you answer yourself? Now you're in trouble. Talking to yourself is fine. When you start answering yourself, you're in trouble, right? You talk to yourself. You know what David was doing? David's talking to himself here exactly what he's doing. In verse number uh, one of chapter number 27, and David said in his heart, David's rehearsing his heart to himself. David's looking deep inside of him. David is discouraged. David's running from Saul. And David's thinking of the time that he was there back in Bethlehem taking care of those sheep. He's remembering what it was when Samuel came to his house and poured that, that, that oil, that horn of oil, and poured it over him and anointed him to become king, those seemed so long ago, those days. Now David's discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever looked at life and said, I don't know how it's gotten here? I know God's promises. I know God's plan, but it seems like it's so far away. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. 
and Saul shall despair of me. Seek me no more in my, any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose and he passed over with 600 men that were with him unto Achish. Achish was a king of Gath, the land of the Philistines. David went to the king of Gath. Remember David fought a man of Gath? His name was Goliath. Now David, discouraged, reasoning in himself, talking with himself, says the best thing I can do is go back to the land of the Philistines and dwell there. I want you to write this down, please. Write this down. Discouraged people will always overstate their problems. Discouraged people will always overstate their problems. David is a place. Listen to me, David, you're anointed king. You know what that means? That means you're going to be king one day. How do I know this? Because God said so. But David's discouraged now. And if you've ever been to a place of discouragement, you know what David is feeling. David looks around him and he begins to overstate his problems. When a person battles discouragement, emotions can run wild. Beyond truth, beyond fact, it's very difficult for a person that when they're discouraged to look at truth and look at facts. They become so exaggerated an idea or the state of mind that they're in, they begin to think, uh, 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 overstate their problems. David is in a place, yes, David, you're running from Saul, but listen to me, that was God's plan for your life. A matter of fact, David thinks it's Saul that's after him, but it's God that's using Saul to chase David because God desires a king for Israel that's going to be a humble king, that's going to be a man after God's own heart. God desires a king in Israel that's going to love him, that's going to worship him, and that's going to lead the people to do the same. Right now, Israel has a king. He's a very selfish king, a very self-centered king. He's a king that just cares about himself. He's a king that just cares about his desires. This king is not a king that's pointing Israel to God. This is a king that's pointing Israel to himself, but God's got a man, a man named David, that he's anointed king, and he says to David, I've got to put you through a trial. I've got to put you to a test. I've got to bring you to a place that it will uh, come to the end. It will seem like all hope is gone. It will seem like there's no more days left inside of you. It will seem like there's no more strength. But David, I'm doing this because I need a king. Listen to me, God will bring you to a place where you feel like it's hopeless. You'll come to a place of discouragement. And when you come to that place of discouragement, I find David, he overstates his problems. We just imagine things about people. We imagine things about places or we imagine things about events. And, and we, 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 we come to the place where, where our, our, uh, uh, just a horrid picture of events to finally our discouragement leads us to overstate and drastically, drastically overstate the whole thing. This is what happened to David. And this is what happens to us when we get to the place of discouragement, if we're not careful. If our mind begins to run wild, if we allow our discouragement to lead us, we begin to overstate our problems. 
Number two, I want you to see this, David. Another lesson we learned from David. I want you to write this down. We're not delivered by our efforts. But we're delivered from our efforts. What God is trying to teach David, I believe that God is trying to teach us as well. When we come to this place where we can't take it another day, we come to this place of discouragement. God brings David to a place where we're not delivered by our efforts, but we're delivered by, or I'm sorry, we're delivered from our efforts. God was not bringing David to a place where David could say, I can get through this. God, he was not bringing David to a place where he was saying, I can handle this. He was not bringing David to a place where he could say that I can get through this issue, I can get through this problem. He was not trying to get David to realize his strength. He was not trying to get David to realize how smart he was. He was not trying to get David to see that you are a special person for this job. What he wanted David to see, he wanted David to see that your efforts can't get you through this. Listen to me, so many times we get into a place we want to fix it. So many times we get into a place that we want, we want to control this. Matter of fact, we like that verse that says, I can do all things, but we leave the verse out, the other part that says, through Christ. You can't do all things in your effort. But you can do all things through Christ. And God was bringing David to a place where we're not delivered by our efforts, but we're delivered from our efforts where we try to deliver ourselves by our efforts. Listen, when we come to that place, prayer dies. When we come to the place where we think we can do this in our own self, promises from God's word dies. We don't look to him for help. We look to ourselves for help. We stop looking to, to, to him for help and we start looking for those around us for advice. Listen to me, God didn't bring David to this place so that David knew that his strength was sufficient. He brought David to this place so David knew that his strength was sufficient. Some do this, some say, I'll fight my way through it. Some say this in their problems, I'll handle this. They begin to make a way and begin to formulate a plan where they're the hero of their story. They begin to formulate a plan where they become the, the one that figures this out. And God says, David, I, I brought you to this place of low. I brought you to this place where you don't think tomorrow is going to come. I brought you to this place where it seems like it's over. Not to destroy you, but I brought you here. So that you trust me. Listen to me, Christian, if God's going to do something in your life, he's going to bring you to a place, a low place. David is getting to the place where all of his men turn against him. And that all that's left is God. And that's where God wanted David to be. And that's where God wants you to be. God wants you to come to a place that's all that's left is God.
Because then you realize you can't depend upon your strength. You can't depend upon the strength of your friends and of your family. God brings you to a place where you, all you have left is the Lord. Listen to me, Christian. Hear me, please, this morning. You're not going to succeed as a Christian by yourself. God won't allow it. He won't allow it. You won't succeed in your marriage by yourself. You have to have him. God won't allow it. He won't allow it for you to say, my marriage is strong because of who I am. No, your marriage is strong only because of who God is. If you try to give credit to something else or someone else, he'll bring you low. To all you can do is look up. God does this. He's not going to let you succeed without him. Listen, you can't climb the ladder of success without God's help. Christian, you can't. You might think you can, but when you get there, it'll all fall apart. You can't sustain it without God's help. And number three, and I'm done. I want you to see in verse number six of chapter 30. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people were grieved. They were so angry. They were so hurt. Every man for his son and every man for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Write this down in your heart, please. A lesson I see of David here. Sometimes God turns people against us in order to turn us to the Lord. Sometimes God turns people against us in order to turn us to the Lord. David has his men, and they're sent home. When they get home, the families are all gone, the wives are gone, the, 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 the sons are gone, the daughters are gone, their homes are burned, and, and all that's left is David and his mighty men, but God said, I'm going to take that from you as well. Sometimes God allows people to turn. Because sometimes we, we depend upon people. Don't get angry at people when God uses people. Don't get angry, David, at these 600 men. They're just doing what God is allowing them to do. Listen, we need to see the spiritual side of things instead of the fleshly side. We're so good at looking at an event and, and thinking we have the answer and we know and we've, we've ruined things and we've messed things up because we think we know what's happening when God's trying to do something so different. 
God causes and allows these men for a moment in David's life to turn against him because in them turning against David, it causes David to turn to the Lord. And it's been about a year and a half of David's life since he's been running from the Lord. He goes to the land of Philistines. He says, I'm going to find help from the enemy. I'm going to find safety from the enemy. I'm going to find safety in the lives of these 600 men. You know what? David was at a place. He didn't need God anymore, he thought. Achish gave him Ziklag. The Philistines are giving him cover. The 600 men are, are, are his fighting force that's giving him security. He's got two wives. He's got children. He's got a home. He's got everything he thinks he needs. But the problem is this. He's not where God wants him to be. And so God says, I'll take the Philistines away. I'll take your family away. I'll take your 600 men away. So when you see David, me, and only me, is sufficient for what you need. Don't get mad at God for working. Sometimes when God works in our lives, we get angry because it's not what we want. God, don't you take that from me. And God says, I've got to take it. Because when I take it, you see that I'm sufficient. God, don't you take that finances from me. And God says, I've got to take it. So that you see I'm sufficient. God, don't you take that that I love from me. And God says, I have to. Because only then you see that I'm sufficient. Don't get angry at God. Figure out what God's after. He's desiring to know you for you to know that when all is gone, our joy is not in things, our joy is not in material possessions. Our joy is not in our families. Our joy is not in our friends. Our joy is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when God takes it, some of us shake our fist at God. We say, God, like we know what's better for us. Listen to me. Trust Him, He knows what's best. And realize this, that God, for his glory, is going to bring you to a place that may be the lowest place you've ever been. But he does it so that you understand he's sufficient. 